on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 41st chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Turning Point USA episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. This week, we will be examining Toilet Paper USA, the premier conservative organization fighting for the hearts and minds of the most vulnerable among us, college students willing to entertain conservatism. This strange breed of creature, the young person without a shred of idealism, has always been present on campus. The guy who walks away from your discussion because somebody's passing around a joint. The girl who gets furious when people mention Palestinians. The guy who keeps complaining that women aren't the same as they used to be. If you've been to college, you've met one of these wraiths. In the past, everyone just ignored them. People were too busy figuring out if they were bisexual, hitting gravity bongs for the first time, or getting into <laughs> screen printing. But things have changed since those halcyon days of paying $30,000 a year to puke off balconies. That's why today we are obligated to cover TPUSA, Charlie Kirk, and Candace Owens. But this is no ordinary episode. That's because this week we're bringing you the latest innovation in podcasting, the takeover segment. It's a whole chunk of the episode taken over by a foreign body. And who better to kick off the tradition than Jared Holt, reporter for Right Wing Watch, host of the Shit Post podcast, and one of our podcast's earliest supporters. Thank you for that. He'll be covering the profound intricacies of Candace Owens. But before all that, welcome to the show, Jared. QAnon, deep, false flag. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? We are connected uh, across this great nation by the technology of Skype. And uh, we'd like to thank Microsoft for doing <laughs> No, no, we don't. no, what are you doing? No, don't encourage. I thought we, I thought you did this show without any sponsors, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, um, I mean, well, hey, but while we're here, uh, Microsoft, yeah, I am in need of a uh, additional Xbox console. So uh, <laughs> if you would like to send, uh, please send a QAnon anonymous at Julian's yeah. house, Chicago, Illinois. We'd like the X on the Xbox to be a Q, though. <laughs> yeah, Otherwise, we will not be gaming on this piece of shit X. Xanon? Not a thing. Yeah, no, that, that is several iterations away. <laughs> yeah. We're not getting Xanon until, like, 2024. Yeah, that's right. Oh, is, God. Is X, like, a... I didn't even... Th I never even thought about that, that it would just keep moving down the alphabet with different Anons coming in yeah. for the rest of our lives. But is it a clearance level? Like, is X a thing? I don't know. No. Wait, what about the X-Men and the X-Files? Clearly... It's a denomination somewhere. Yeah, somewhere on TV. I mean, mm. we, we've only gotten to remember Aranon, who's remember JFK Jr. It's just it's the... just a guy on 8chan pretending to be Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you, you know you know what the X reminds me of is uh, remember like Coney 2020. Oh I don't God. know or oh, yeah. 2012. Oh, yeah. I I don't know if this is like entirely related, but. There were like kids around uh, my school that would p put like red X's on their hands to signify human trafficking or something. Uh, like that they were being human trafficked and they were calling to the outside world. Or? No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I can only assume. <laughs> Please, mom, come pick me up. I'm and being human trafficked in history class. Those were the good old days, though, when like conspiracy theories, you know, just kind of spread for a couple of months and then quietly died. Yeah, who can forget those days? Yeah, yeah, but the internet got faster. Yeah, the internet got mm, faster. Yeah. People got angrier. Yeah. Uh, you, oh, you like conspiracy theories? Try conspiracy theories yeah. on broadband. Yeah, YouTube. YouTube got more interested. <laughs> <laughs> Google got into the conspiracy theory business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, give anyone the impression that I am pro Microsoft. So, you know, we can also advertise for Apple. What do you guys think? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. no such thing as a good technology company. All right. Before we ruin our independent status uh, and, you know, fuck Microsoft and fuck Apple. Uh, but before we give up entirely our entire journalistic integrity, I think we should transition to QAnon News. First up, uh, QAnon promoter Isaac Cappy dies after throwing himself off of a bridge in Arizona. So uh, Isaac Cappy, 42, a film actor who performed in several small roles in the films Thor, Terminator Salvation, and Beer Fest. Holy shit, I gotta look this guy up. Hold uh, on. Yeah, he forced himself off of the <laughs> Transwestern Road Bridge near Belmont, Arizona on May 13th, according to the Arizona Department <laughs> of Public Safety spokesman Bart Graves. I'm so sorry, I'm, just not, I'm not laughing because of this, I'm laughing because Jake heard Beer Fest and was like, I gotta look this dude up. No, I, He's had a you, minor role in some sort of frat movie. No, you know what's even sadder? It was Terminator <laughs> Salvation, which I thought which I thought was not a horrible <laughs> no. film. You don't want me to shill for, for major corporations and you're gonna even mention that movie? What is wrong with you? What is you're you're off the, the podcast and you're looking at your phone now. Cappy reportedly fell onto Interstate 40 where he was struck by a Ford pickup truck. <laughs> guys. Will you stop fucking guys. dropping brands? Come I, well, on, man. <laughs> Ford, we have to know. I, it's colorful details. <laughs> Authorities said two teenagers driving by got out of their vehicle and tried to physically restrain Cappy Jesus. from jumping, but were unsuccessful. He had the power of Q behind him. No, stop. It's you not. Said, he killed is, himself. This okay, is not. All right, we sorry. have to it, like stick to brand bashing at right. least. Okay, sorry. No one else was injured during the incident, and the investigation has been closed. Uh, Cappy became a hero to some in the QAnon community and uh, other conspiratorial communities for basically accusing Hollywood actors, most notably Seth Green, of being involved in a child sex trafficking ring. He never offered substantial evidence of his claims. His baseless accusations did land him an interview with Alex Jones on InfoWars, though. Uh, during that interview, Cappy claimed that he knew Seth Green is a pedophile because Green told him, quote, we need to talk about chicken, end quote. That anecdote is put in a different light when you realize that Seth Green is a creator and producer of long-running Adult Swim sketch show Robot Chicken. So to speculate a bit, it sounds kind of like Green was trying to bring up the possibility of offering uh, Cappy, the troubled out-of-work actor, a gig, and then Cappy responded by accusing Green of being a pedophile. Oh, this is awful. But chicken's not even on the Pizzagate list of, like, foods. No, it's not even a thing. It doesn't even make... It's like, yeah. you, you, even within QAnon... Pizza Gate World doesn't make any sense. So other than the QAnon this flavor, Bach Anon. Yeah. <laughs> other than the QAnon flavor, we're basically covering someone killing themselves because they're mentally ill. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> we're muckrakers. Yeah, we're well, like fucking Danny DeVito in L.A. Confidential. I think I want to talk about why I also think this is that covering cool this is important. That. But uh, all, you know, uh, Cappy has been you know recent history of instability. In August of 2018, TMZ reported that Cappy allegedly choked Paris Jackson daughter of Michael Jackson, during a game night party. Cappy what? reportedly sent text messages to Paris Jackson <laughs> after the incident that she found so concerning that she blocked his number and strengthened her personal security. To be fair, this is just the shit you hear that happens like every Saturday in L.A. It's always like, oh, Oliver Stone got fucked up and then he tried to kill Kurt Cobain's daughter or whatever. In Isaac Gappy's final Instagram post, he said, uh, quote, I have not been a good guy. In fact, I have been a pretty bad guy throughout my life. Cappy said that he has not, he has used people, owed money, dealt drugs, and abused his body with narcotics, cigarettes, and alcohol. Cappy also apologized to the Q movement. And uh, here's what he said. To the Q movement, 
I am so sorry I have brought shame upon the greatest military operation of all time, but really, I have only brought shame upon myself. Despite the fact that there are multiple eyewitnesses to Isaac Cappy's suicide and the police investigation into the matter is closed, baseless conspiracy theories have unsurprisingly popped up about the tragic death. One conspiracy theory involves the baseless allegation that uh, Tom Hanks was somehow involved in Cappy's death because Hanks posted a photo on Instagram in April showing uh, an old glove with the caption, quote, historic Route 66 roadkill. I hope not. Hanks, end quote. Which is a shit tweet. Like, what the fuck are you it, doing, it, Tom Hanks? Well, Get better at tweeting. Yeah, is is what uh, Tom Hanks? He takes photographs of like old gloves he finds wait that's a thing that's the thing he just yeah he just he just does it a lot when you get that rich i guess you just get bored yeah he's he's just having having a laugh but yeah this is a this is a very sad story you know i think this is a um you know i think this is a case where isaac cappy is uh both kind of a you know obviously he he did a lot of like shitty things. He was violent. And he spread baseless uh, allegations of, of pedophilia. But I think he was also a, a victim of QAnon in that his sort of his uh, his his sort of spiral down was enabled by people who sort of wanted to hear him spread this nonsense. Yeah. So, like imagine apologizing yeah. for killing yourself to a fucking poster on 8chan yeah. that you've never met. It's it's horrible. Yeah. No. No. But to what Travis was saying, it, it, this is something that. You know, I see a lot tracking this kind of stuff is, you know, people who are obviously unwell and really need uh, some sort of support community and, uh, you know, in this case, probably professional help uh, instead get egged on and pushed further down into this like darkness. And you wind up with stuff like this occasionally. It's it's kind of uh, I tend to agree with Travis. Like, I feel like Cappy is kind of a in a way, a victim of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And you know who else is a victim here is Tom Hanks, probably the nicest guy in Hollywood getting blamed uh, to be oh, some part be of this fine. conspiracy. I mean, this is really the he'll real tragedy. He'll be of fine. He's incredibly wealthy. He doesn't give three shits. He'll continue to take photos of gloves. Like, his son will be like, yeah, QAnon, he's weird, whatever. And then in two weeks, no one will remember this. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it, Cappy oh. is definitely a way better candidate for... Did you get me? Yeah. You I got gotcha. me. Okay. Uh, I can't fucking believe it. I'll never let this happen again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next story. Uh, QAnon promoter 412Anon doxes himself while live streaming. So uh, 412Anon is a QAnon promoter who often appears on the QAnon live stream Patriot Soapbox. Uh, his major contribution to QAnon community is the is compiling and visualization of data generated by QAnon quote unquote research projects. For example, uh, the QAnon community keeps track of like every single major resignation from people in government and business since they believe that uh, many people stepping down at once is a sign of the coming mass arrest event that they think is going to happen. 412Anon would compile this data into online spreadsheets and then use the uh, data visualization platform Tableau to make that data easier to explore and understand. So uh, 412Anon's effort in this regard helped boost worthless QAnon research out of 8chan and onto mainstream social networks. Uh, Q even referenced 412Anon's work in a March 10th, 2018 Q drop in which Q said this. Keep the resignation list updated. Important. Keep the graphics updated. Important. Q 
you. So he's basically he's basically <laughs> NVIDIA GeForce experience. <laughs> by the way, you have to log in. I don't know why you have to log in. No one understands. He's a fucking pain in the ass. Turn your shadows down to medium. You might get better performance. <laughs> Ambient occlusion. Some games looks good, others not so good. Adjust, adjust to your own preference. So, uh, four twelve anon has done a lot to help mainstream QAnon, uh, but the identity of four twelve anon was recently revealed to be a man named Adele Nero. Uh, Adele Nero actually docks himself by accidentally live streaming himself entering her personal information into the recently created White House social media censorship reporting form, which I think is, I think is uh, appropriate since that's obviously a data collection operation. Yeah. <laughs> Adele Nero is employed as a data analyst at Carnegie Mellon University's College of Engineering. Uh, when what? I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This guy works at a university. That's right, sir. He's actually a data analyst. That's, right. that's why he compiles this Yo, data. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? Yeah, they, he, he does data uh, uh, analysts for... Uh, for uh, QAnon, and that's also his day job. Interesting, huh? Right. He's like, I've got the tools, I've got the hmm. talent. So when I reached out to uh, university for comment, I was told that Adele Nero's personal opinions and activities fall within the university's freedom of expression policy, and that's fine. It's a private university. They can do what they want. However, shortly after being doxxed, uh, Adele Nero deleted his Tableau account, which contained all of the data visualization dashboards that he had been using to promote QAnon. This is the problem with online games. If, if let's say, if Steam leaves, you won't have any games anymore. You've spent so much money, yeah. and then it's all gone. Yeah, yeah it's just weird that he deleted it. You know, considering that the university has no problem with what Nero does in his free time, and Q himself said that these graphics were important. So I can't say I know for sure what's going on there, but, you know, consider the fact that Nero's day job at Carnegie Mellon University is working as a data analyst. And so his department almost certainly has an enterprise account with Tableau. So, you know, as hypothetically as possible, Adele Nero uses employer's Tableau account to create all of those QAnon promoting dashboards. And since it's one thing to promote QAnon on your own dime, it's quite another to promote QAnon using services purchased by your office. Being doxxed inspired Adele Nero to delete his Tableau account. I mean, if that's the case, it'd be pretty bad because that'd mean that a software account administrated by Carnegie Mellon University had a not insignificant hand in mainstreaming QAnon. But like I said, I can't know for sure why 412Anon deleted his Tableau account shortly after being doxxed. I don't know. I feel like the university on one side was like, listen, this is protected under free speech. And on the other side, they turned to him. They're like, fucking knock it off. That, that might be the case, too. <laughs> yeah. Fucking stop yeah, that we'll shit. Stand, we'll stand up for you, but yeah, you got to rein it in. We'll stop. Yeah. We'll stand up for you once. Yeah, because can you imagine? Yeah, no, I, I, I imagine this is like everybody in his department being like, what the fuck? Dude? <laughs> like one department, one, one department head who's like 85 years old with like like a Lenovo, <laughs> God damn it, another brand. <laughs> so, so this department head like pulls him aside and is like, listen, I, I trust the plan. <laughs> but we need you to make your own Tableau account. My last story is basically a warning about something I've seen recently, which is there seems to be this QAnon version of swatting that I sort of pop up. So it's like just yesterday, we're recording uh, on Sunday, uh, May 19th. And, um, Yesterday, an 8chan post warning about a possible false flag event during the Long Beach Pride events this weekend circulated through the QAnon community. So that post claimed that some sort of incident would be pinned on a Q follower. 
This comes on the heels of a QAnon decode that led to the cancellation of the Grass Valley Charter School fundraiser earlier this month. They're, right. ju- they're just doing a cowardly well, like bomb scare thing where is. they call and they're like, oh, we think there's a bomb in your building. Instead, they're like, we think there's going to be a false flag that would be uh, uh, look like a bomb in your building. Well, it's like, oh, that cool. would possibly be blamed on one of the members of our <laughs> illustrious community. <laughs> so here's just what I suspect is going on here. So some trolls noticed the, uh, the trouble that was caused by the Grass Valley incident. So now they've realized that they can harness the QAnon community to commit just, like I said, just an 8chan version of swatting. They just spin a conspiracy theory about some sort of upcoming event or some sort of place and they get to circulate in the QAnon community and then QAnon followers will be paranoid and weird and then cause headaches for the events organizers. This is like those uh, those Reese's bars that have like nuts in them. They're called like nutrageous or the wafer version. It's uh-huh. like, hey, you know what? It's still that good Reese's flavor of getting someone to bust down a door or shutting down a school. But, you know, it looks it's a slightly different uh, format. Yeah, it's different. Instead, instead of like, you know, like people of a SWAT team, you do it with, uh, you know, worked up paranoid QAnon followers to direct all of their energy to somewhere you don't like, like Long Beach Pride Parade. That's you know? right. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure for them, they feel really like self-satisfied. Like they hang up that phone call and they're like, ah, saved a bunch of children today. And then like <laughs> lean back and go to Pornhub. And, well, this and, would be saved a bunch of gay people. Yeah, say oh, and say allies. Well, I'm inclusive. Actually, LGBTQ plus. I don't. I don't want to exclude anybody. But yeah, like they, that wouldn't seem like a a community they're trying to actually save. Right. Yeah. So this one seems in total bad faith because at least with oh, the no. school, it's like they might be trying to save the children, even though they're stupid and doing the wrong thing to save them. This one just seems like bullshit. It is just bullshit. I mean, here's why I really suspect that this is not initiated by a QAnon follower. It's just someone who realizes that they can focus the uh, energy and paranoia of the QAnon community anywhere they want by spinning a a good narrative that will spread throughout the community. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, uh, uh, that I've seen during the QAnon sort of upcomings, especially after all the stuff moved to 8chan, is just the worst parts of 8chan being adopted by like 60 plus year old boomers. (laughs) So it's just like the same SWAT call of like, "Uh, excuse me, officer, there's a shooting going to happen. Instead, it's like some very concerned, like elderly woman in Minnesota calling being like, excuse me, sir. First off, I love the cops. Second off, uh, (laughs) you might want to take a look. There might be some child actors coming to pretend to be attacked at this pride parade. Yeah. TPUSA with Julian Field. Foster Freeze looks like the unholy offspring of an aging football coach, a racist sheriff, and the guy who fired your dad. Foster was born five years before World War II ended, and as a 79-year-old rich white guy, he perfectly captures the impetus and beneficiaries of Turning Point USA, or TPUSA. So it makes sense that Charlie Kirk, a man less than a third Foster's age, approached him at the 2012 Republican National Convention to secure funding for the organization that would, in their words, quote, identify, educate, train, and organize students to promote the principles of freedom, free markets, and limited government. But Freeze was no stranger to funding right-wing groups. He had used a super PAC called the Red, White, and Blue Fund to buy ads for Rick Santorum's presidential run. Santorum is a Pennsylvania senator known for his belief that, quote, 62% of kids who go into college with a faith commitment leave without it. He blames this on the secularization of young people, their support for gay marriage, legal abortion, their love of pornography. 
This is a pattern for Foster. He habitually funds politicians and groups, attempting to break down what little remains of the wall between church and state. 100k for Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, a million dollars for the Koch brothers and their political machinations, and the creme de la creme, three million for Tucker Carlson to found the Daily Caller. Freeze also has a tendency to tell on himself. During his Rick Santorum phase, he said about birth control. Back in my day, they used Bayer aspirin for contraceptives. The gals put it in between their knees, and it wasn't that costly. As recently as 2017, Foster Freeze sat down with Steve Bannon to consider running for the U.S. Senate in 2018. He never did, uh, but this sit-down gave the public a glimpse of a larger network of billionaire donors who had been in talks with Bannon. They included the Mercer family the DeVos family, and the ever-present Koch brothers, all of which habitually inject capital into right-wing projects and institutions. TPUSA, in fact, is bankrolled entirely by millionaires and billionaires intent on consolidating their freedom to make even more money by paying less taxes, deregulating the market, and cutting public services to the bone. An assortment of CEOs, financiers, and business magnets constitute the organization's core donors, and TPUSA is not proud of that. Charlie Kirk puts it this way, quote, some people like the amount of their charitable giving to remain anonymous, so we wish to honor that request, end quote. That's because it would be inconvenient to admit they're financiers when Charlie keeps putting the word grassroots into his PR messaging. He has said, for example, that TPUSA uses, quote, innovative grassroots messaging and that they are, quote, proud to have the support of thousands of grassroots Americans. For an organization funded by millionaires and billionaires right out of the gate, the word seems less like a descriptor and more like an attempt by Charlie to mask the nature of his organization. And who can forget his freakout on the Politicon stage when he was asked about his salary and the source of TPUSA's funding, beneath the malign and scrutinizing eyes of friend of the show Hassan Piker. It certainly seems like TPUSA needs its pump primed quite regularly for a grassroots movement. Or maybe it's just hard to conjure up an organic enthusiasm among millennials not named Reginald de Birkenbosch. The truth is that Turning Point USA declared over $2 million in contribution revenue in 2014, and by September of 2015, they had amassed $4.3 million. And that was just the beginning. The cash flow has kept pace with TPUSA's aggressive expansion. At the end of last year, they dropped a sweet piece of video content, The History of Turning Point USA. It opens on a sordidly lit room. Bill Montgomery, a 75-year-old reptile with wet eye pouches, manages to drool out some words over multiple takes. Things happen in life that you don't expect. And I was invited to an event and like most events, sometimes they get boring. I was falling asleep, the students were falling asleep. The seventh speaker was going up to the podium and I couldn't believe what I saw. In a few seconds, I saw that audience going from falling asleep to wide awake. And the man who was speaking was Charlie Kirk. This Tales from the Crypt style opening shot leads to an interview with Charlie Kirk, a man who somehow manages to aggressively sneer during a puff piece about himself. Since he is literally a cardboard cutout used as a prop by millionaires, I think we can safely skip this part. Let's get back to the real heroes of this story, fat guys with golden catheters. Here's the humble origin story of TP USA. Charlie and I were at the office. It was a two-car garage. I had converted it into an office, and we were using that as the headquarters for Turning Point USA. We were in there one day and the mailman came. I got the letter and I looked at it and it says, hey, Charlie, this is uh, from Foster Freeze. 
and I opened it up. Here he had donated $10,000, and that's how we started our organization from a little two-car garage like Apple and Hewlett-Packard. It shows it can be done. The entrepreneurial spirit was there, and we did it. Yeah, they're making themselves out to be these like underdogs with no money and no connections. But and... like, yeah, but they're making, but they're building a nonprofit, but they're comparing themselves to for-profit companies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm supposed to believe Charlie Kirk was like in his garage with like a tool set, just yeah, covered to, like, in grease, build some ray gun to <laughs> well, inject conservative thought into the campus. The goal here is to paint TPUSA as a humble startup, despite the garage being a freshly renovated standalone building owned by a millionaire and the breakthrough being a donation by one of the country's wealthiest people. Next in the video, another aging piece of puff pastry, this time shot in front of a taxidermied antelope, an antique judge's gavel, and a Victorian-era cash register. <laughs> I swear this is true. He's also sporting a Santa Claus tie, looks like he's about to cry, and spends the entire interview exuding pure vitality. I went and heard Charlie speak, and I thought, here's, here's the young man we have to help, and... Uh, I gave him a little bit of money, and it went from there. He started turning point, and the rest is history. I mean, do we know for a fact that this isn't a guy, like, on his deathbed, like, being forced uh, yeah. by Charlie Kirk at gunpoint <laughs> to, like, say these things? That, that, is, what it's, that is what it feels like. Uh, Mike Miller owns MJ Miller & Co., a jeweler with an annual revenue of $14.2 million. He was born soon after World War II. After that, the video cuts to Tyler Boyer, who is giving off strong youth pastor under investigation vibes. <laughs> he sounds like he's trying He sounds like he's trying to hard sell you on adding bacon to your nachos at Applebee's. He blabs about how big TPUSA is. Their 14,000 square foot facilities in Arizona, the increase in conservative student body leaders. Then he gets to the point of it all, owning the libs. Here's Tyler finishing up his point and immediately getting upstaged by the return of Mike Miller. You know, having this space enables us to take over the internet. And one of the things that we talk about all the time is winning the culture war. And the thing that Turning Point USA is doing is winning the culture war. When a, a young man like Charlie is opening doors for thousands of young people every day across this country that gives these kids hope. They realize they can go out and do something with their lives. And of course, God bless America, the only country in the world where we can do this. We are all so lucky to live here and be here. And uh, we've got some wonderful people out doing just phenomenal things. That's what it's all about. So he is crying during this video. He... Oh my God. They have a whole segment of their TPUSA origin story, which is supposed to show a grassroots movement run by young people. And the majority of people on screen are people over the age of 70, and one of them is crying. It, he sounds like, uh, you know, Travis after like 10 beers, and he's just like, oh, I, I'm just so happy, uh, the QAnon Anonymous podcast. I'm so happy that we've made it this far. Oh. You know, Patreon subscribers. God bless America. It's a blessing to make a premium episode every week. <laughs> 
It does not get much better than a millionaire baby boomer crying about Charlie Kirk. It's what we got into the business to experience, folks. Uh, the video ends in a boring way. More Tyler, more Charlie. They call TPUSA, quote, America's last best hope, fighting for the timeless idea that we live in the greatest country ever to exist. They complain that despite having the best ideas, the left will, quote, take the country from us if we don't fight for the republic. You get the gist. This is the part of the episode where I admit I've gone too far down this crying boomer rabbit hole. Something about it just, I don't know, it struck a chord with me. Uh, but it's time to learn more about the activities of TPUSA over the last few years. First up, www.professorwatchlist.org. Launched by TPUSA in November of 2016, it's a McCarthy-esque website designed to, quote, expose and document college professors who discriminate against conservative students and advance leftist propaganda in the classroom. Classic pro-free speech website. Uh, so I clicked on the first six professors that came up, and this is what I saw. Number one was just the name of a woman and a photo. No explanation well, whatsoever. It's yeah. a woman professor. <laughs> what else needs to be said? Exactly. Female professor. So, crime. Number two was a professor of digital storytelling at the New School who made a series of tweets making it clear she was pro-choice, anti-private prison, anti-Trump, and pro-subsidized housing, among others. Her crime was telling people on Twitter to, quote, sit down and shut up. <laughs> so, pretty bad. Number three was a mathematics professor who seemed to enjoy being rude to all of his students. Uh, this is according to RateMyProfessors.com, from which the entry was lazily copied and pasted. <laughs> Um, number four was a professor of media and cinema studies who got arrested for following a guy into a bathroom while filming him. The professor was angry at the guy because he habitually dressed in full Native American garb despite being white. Basically a small town beef between a racist mascot and a disgruntled professor. Number five was a lecturer at Columbia who got aggro on Twitter and reminded anti-socialist right-wingers that millions had also died under capitalism. You know, during both world wars, slavery. When some guy told the professor that Hitler was left-wing, the professor responded by saying, quote, Hitler was a capitalist. Good friends with Henry Ford. Please, use the Google machine. It's there for all of us. So, so you know, he kind of kicks ass. But I guess, yeah, he's on the list. Put him on the list. He's saying Hitler's not uh, Hitler's capitalist. Number six, and a reminder, these are literally the first six that came up. I did not, it's completely random. It's just what they have kind of floating through their, their main page where they have to select like a sample of six. Okay. Number six was just an anti-Semitic professor who posted memes about how Jews controlled Hollywood, the economy, the courts, the cancer industry, pornography, and sex trafficking. You know, a fucking lib. Yeah, cl <laughs> classic, classic lib. Move. Classic lib shit. <laughs> classic lib shit is to say Jews are octopi that fucking, you know, <laughs> know hang over the world with their tentacles entwined and everything i love i fucking love it yeah i think we can all remember that uh hillary clinton 2016 speech in which she said uh george soros was using a supercomputer to brainwash media yeah <laughs> absolutely that was inappropriate honestly yeah that's i mean that's why i voted for trump <laughs> uh there's really not much else to say about www.professorwatchlist.org it reads like one of those keyword density websites with 18 variations on the phrase shower rod. It has a depressing emptiness about it. Uh, within days of the website being launched, people took to Twitter to make fun of it. They also headed to the site to snitch on left-wing educators like Albus Dumbledore and the professor from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> the, the entry for the Gilligan's Island one was all about how he was trying to like make some sort of coconut machine and it wasn't working, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, 
In 2017, the Chronicle of Higher Education published a series of articles exposing TPUSA's attempt to place members in college student governments. This is a pretty big deal, actually. This is crazy. Yeah. Michelle Vasquez writes... The Chronicle investigated Turning Point student election activity, which in some cases appeared to be in violation of university campaign finance rules limiting how much money students can spend on these races. Several students who had received money or supplies from Turning Point denied any connection to the group, but then were forced to abruptly end their candidacies when campus newspapers obtained proof of Turning Point's role. At the time, Charlie Kirk stated, quote, That's completely ludicrous and ridiculous that there's some sort of secret plan. A year later, the same newspaper uncovered a TPUSA brochure detailing exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the brochure. Our first and primary goal is to commandeer the top office of student body president at each of the most recognizable and influential American universities. The brochure detailed a three-phase plan to, quote, Target every Division I school in the country and over 100 critical universities in swing states before 2020. The second phase, they estimated, would cost over $2 million. It also exposed some pretty hilarious titles among TPUSA members. Victory directors. For example, and... Quartermasters. <laughs> what? Yes, they call some of their... It's like a shitty fucking Hogwarts. <laughs> there's victory directors, there's quartermasters... It's a LARP. Like, I don't know what to say. It's a fucking weird fascist LARP. Yeah, it's... Conser conservatism is the new punk rock. So now, please go back to your quarters, gentle sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Multiple students running for government with the help of TPUSA, as we mentioned earlier, violated spending rules and were forced to drop out of their races. Nonetheless, TPUSA claims in the brochure that 54 of their members had successfully been elected to student government by the end of 2017, which even if they're inflating, I mean, is not not good. Even um, if even if three, yeah, were elected to student government. This is one of the creepier things they've done, which is essentially attempting to uh, inject dark money into student elections instead of just focusing on normal elections. So you're now focusing on basically illegally beating out eighteen and nineteen year olds who are <laughs> running for student government. This is this is how um, this is the the standard. Uh, of excellence that they hold themselves to. <laughs> never too low, really. Uh, speaking of never too low, on November 21st, 2017, TPUSA hired Candace Owens. Her title was Director of Urban Engagement, which is mm. just, just mm. Well, as a black person, uh, yeah. why would you take that role? Uh, anyways, I'm going to hold off on going down the, the Candace Owens rabbit hole because Jared Holt will take care of that in his segment in a bit. Anyways, the next month, on October 18th, the Kent State chapter of TPUSA ran an event as part of their Free Speech Week. It involved TPUSA members dressing up as babies with diapers and sitting in a little playpen labeled Safe Space. Needless to say, people made relentless fun of TPUSA and its figurehead, Charlie. This led to central leadership going silent, which in turn led to the collapse and shutdown of the Kent State chapter and a pretty juicy internal feud. I think this might be my favorite in the saga of TPUSA yeah. so far. But yeah, they, they own the libs so hard, they, they wound yeah. up owning themselves. They, it's just, it's just <laughs> collateral lib opening damage. You know, you know. <laughs> Ten soldiers and Charlie's coming. I, I, He's I, finally gonna get owned. 
seriously see you know i just i just want to say that those diapers were very comfortable and <laughs> getting the wrong getting the wrong idea here the woman running the chapter resigned from her position and wrote a blog post calling tpusa a quote shithole despite also asserting that quote the safe space event was funny and i have zero remorse for holding it in it, she accused TPUSA of covering up the fact that the literal man babies were actually members of another allied group called Young Americans for Liberty and not members of her TPUSA branch. She came down hard on Charlie. As of right now, I am in disbelief at how I went from being so upbeat, enthusiastic, and passionate about this organization to being disgusted, frustrated, and embarrassed to have invested my entire senior year <laughs> into an organization founded by a college dropout who hires some of the most incompetent, lazy, and downright dishonest people I have ever encountered. It's interesting that that uh, TPUSA uh, chapter head uh, could not stop laughing while she was so angry. <laughs> Um, one, of the, one of the complaints she made in this extensive blog post was that TPUSA had made frustratingly little progress on her favorite project, bringing the National Rifle Association to speak at Kent State. That's because, as some of you might have guessed, the woman in question was Caitlin Bennett, also known as Kent State Gun Girl, who is now the queen, the, our, our queen, our Khaleesi. She will never do anything wrong, you know. But uh, she's now an InfoWars correspondent. So. <laughs> <laughs> Early 2018 was quieter for TPUSA. The sheer amount of chapters had expanded despite the diaper fiasco. TPUSA estimated that they'd opened a thousand of them by that point. They were probably inflating the number, but it is nonetheless impressive and a little worrying. On March 25th, Deirdre Olson wrote an article for Salon describing the conflicts TPUSA members were getting into. What may have been a conservative force to reckon with due to its seven-figure financial backing has instead almost undone itself altogether through its laughable, meme-worthy attempts to rile up campus leftists. At the Chicago Socialist Conference, TPUSA members attempted to out-argue leftists by using one-liners like You have some nice Nikes on! And You like those good capitalist french fries? Elsewhere... <laughs> Got him. Elsewhere, the TPUSA chapter of University of California, San Diego, hosted a free speech event at which it had a massive inflatable beach ball on which attendees were to write messages, often intentionally offensive ones. However, a pocket knife wielding leftist student <laughs> who called himself Karl Marx popped said balloon, prompting TPUSA to call in campus security over the perceived violation of its safe space. Such shade in this article, but also how fun. Ah, oh, man, Karl Marx, bless you. Bless you, young man. That is, that is the kind of knife violence that I can support. <laughs> These leftists are using their switchblades to pop our beach balls. 2018 was also the year that TPUSA members began really telling on themselves. Crystal Clanton, the woman who served as their national field director for five years, was busted texting another member, all caps, I hate black people. Like, fuck them all. I hate blacks. End of story. The same woman fired their only black field director on Martin Luther King Day, who later told The New Yorker, in looking back, I think it was racist. <laughs> so, so, some some self-reflection. Oh, no. Yeah, that same person has some pretty great quotes about like, yeah, I heard from my Democrat friends that re some Republicans hated black people. And like, 
I guess I found out they were right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Honestly, I read a few articles exposing racism within TPUSA, and they were all pretty exhausting. I'll summarize by saying that multiple employees and members of TPUSA have tweeted the N-word on the regular, along with plenty of other slurs and jokes relying on tired racist and misogynist tropes. Their group chats are sewers filled with reactionary memes and humorless edgelord posturing. When stuff gets leaked, TPUSA sometimes issues a weak internal memo or two in response. Here and there, a member gets busted by the mainstream media and is fired or resigns. It seems like nothing can change the fact that a lot of TPUSA members and young conservatives seem to believe the culture war is also a race war. In 2019, the president of the University of Nevada chapter, Riley Grizar, made a Snapchat video in which he said white power and hugged his girlfriend, who then added, we're going to rule the country, fuck the n-words. Riley Grizar was kicked out of his frat almost immediately after the video surfaced and was sent packing by TPUSA not long after, although I think they took like a week or two, as pointed out by Jared Holt of Right Wing yep. Watch. Rewind to November 2018. Alex Koch wrote an article about TPUSA for the International Business Times. He had obtained the TPUSA donors list, and it was a murderer's row of GOP mega donors, as we mentioned at the top of the segment, as well as many, quote, rich families in the Chicago area where TPUSA is based. Jane Mayer for The New Yorker also uncovered some interesting tidbits about funding at TPUSA. Kirk has spoken and fundraised at various closed-door energy industry gatherings, including those of the 2017 board meeting of the National Mining Association and the 2016 annual meeting of the Independent Petroleum Association of America, otherwise known as EPA. IPA? <laughs> oh, yeah, IPAA. IPA. Kirk's ties to fossil fuel magnates are controversial because Turning Point has helped organize opposition on campuses to students calling for schools to divest from fossil fuel companies. Turning Point distributed a guide for college students with a foreword by Kirk titled, quote, 10 Ways Fossil Fuels Improve Our Daily Lives, end quote. In it, he argues, quote, Across the nation, college students are clamoring for their campuses to divest from fossil fuel. Students are indoctrinated to believe the myth that fossil fuels are dirty and renewable energy is a plausible alternative, end quote. I mean, have these guys just like stood behind a car and just inhaled for a while? I mean, I don't understand that. Yeah, you should try it. It rocks, dude. Fucking... <laughs> Never got hired. <laughs> the real founding of TPUSA. It's just Charlie in a just, car slowly filling with carbon monoxide. And then seconds before he passes out and dies, he's like, I'm going to be the best conservative there ever was. Is that the garage we were talking about? Yes. Right <laughs> yes. yes, it was. Is that too dark? Is that no. too dark for this? <laughs> no. No, fuck that. No. No, fuck that. Uh, Charlie, <laughs> yourself. Don't, uh, no, hey, come on. No, I am, no, I am very no, literally no. calling personally. Okay. I, this does not represent the podcast belief. No, it does, it does not, represent not represent Travis the podcast yeah, belief. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> Listen. This also does not represent Right Wing Watch in any way. I think yeah, this it represents be... Julian Field and Julian Field alone. I think uh, it would Travis, right. Jake, and Jared Let me do not take for... My... Let me finish parody. my disclaimers when you talk. I would like Charlie Kirk to hover over a table just covered in trolley sour uh, worms and try to fucking snort them one by one until his brain clogs up with gummy matter. And uh, I mean, maybe he'll. I don't know. It's not a threat. I'm just saying he should do that and see what happens. This parody segment brought to you by QAnon Anonymous. Yeah, this is satire, by the way. <laughs> but on a satirical level, allegedly, <laughs> yourself, Charlie. In February... <laughs> um, in February... <laughs> Travis is so bummed out. 
In February of 2019, the Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, included a TPUSA party. It featured appearances by Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, Ted Cruz, and Representative Dan Crenshaw. Otherwise known as Solid Snake. Maxwell Tanny for the Daily Beast would later say that, quote, Charlie Kirk and Candace Owen are the new king and queen of the GOP ball. The party's cocktail list was, uh, you can judge for yourself. Russian collusion. Vodka soda. The wall. Whiskey neat. Sarah Sanders. Bourbon on the rocks. Mexico will pay for it. Tequila sunrise. T. Rum P. Derangement syndrome. Rum and coke. Kavanaugh. I like beer. A beer. Crying Chuck Schumer. Wine. But there was also a non-alcoholic option, the AOC. A juice box. <laughs> I love the TPUSA. Their alternative to alcohol was juice boxes. They couldn't even <laughs> like find bottles. They were like, we're little babies. Once again, please, we're wearing diapers and You know what? I, I, have no, I have no beef with this. I like a good juice box every now and again. Yeah. It makes me feel young. Yeah, he heats it up between his thighs. Shut up. <laughs> you, don't, you don't drink a juice box fucking warm, you fucking That's animal. That's not true. You 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 bend forward, almost snapping your spine to suckle the little straw from between your legs. Um, I Listen, I... Okay. I know I'm canceled, but I just want everyone to know the rest of the people on this podcast, including Jared, have no responsibility for what I'm saying, because clearly this week I'm on one, and it's not good. It's bad. Speaking of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they had a cardboard cutout at the party of her standing next to a table with stacks of white bread. Uh, of course, this cutout was immediately defaced during the party with some pretty questionable <laughs> shit, uh, you know, kind of making reference to her being a Latina, etc. If you want to know more about this night of generous festivities, you can listen to our Q Clock and CPAC episode with Virgil, Texas. In March of 2019, Unicorn Riot, our friends over at Unicorn Riot, leaked a bunch of Discord chat logs. One of them was Identity Europas. They're a white nationalist and neo-Nazi organization, and their chat logs revealed a plan to pivot away from the murdering people in Charlottesville kind of fascism. Their new strategy? To infiltrate GOP student organizations like Turning Point USA. One of the members wrote in the Discord... Pro tip, uh, turn your local Turning Point USA chapter to a de facto Identity Europa chapter. Another user said that his ultimate goal is subversion of my school's TPUSA chapter into a front for Identity Europa. A third guy used a meme to convey the sentiment. Broke, infiltrate GOP. Woke, infiltrate TPUSA. The group has since euphemized their name to, quote, American Identity Movement and switched out their Germanic Dragon's Eye logo for an eagle and some American flag colors. <laughs> you know, just a little rebranding exercise with my bros. <laughs> with my brooders. As one does. <laughs> yeah. 2019 has definitely kicked off with a bang for TPUSA. Candace Owens made a little Hitler oopsie in a hearing and <laughs> later left the organization. The main Turning Point USA account tweeted a group photo of their members, and one of them was holding a beach ball with the phrase, Google Kalergi Plan, written on it. Richard von Kudenhove Kalergi is an Austrian politician and writer. There's a white supremacist theory that Kalergi laid blueprints for the Jewish-led destruction of the white race in his 1925 book, Practical Idealism, which is just, <laughs> the title is so fucked up. Practical Idealism. It was the Jews. Um, Jared Holt reported on it for Right Wing Watch. TPUSA later took the tweet down. <laughs> Jared also... I count that I count that as a win. Absolutely. Jared also covered a series of departures about two weeks after Candace Owens' departure in May. The first was Brandon Tatum, who had stepped up to replace Candace Owens as, 
director of urban engagement. Uh, of course, he's also black. Uh, then came the resignation of Kyle Kashuv, a Stoneman Douglas survivor who was their director of high school outreach, which is just so creepy. These quitters were joined by Anna Paulina, who had been working as director of Hispanic engagement. You know, it's funny, reading this shit, they, they care a lot more about race than anybody else, and yet they're constantly moaning that the, that the, the left, like, segments people and, and uses identities or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to have to bring in our uh, Hispanic uh, developer, our African-American developer, our Asian developer. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's all the areas that they think that like conservatives are like lagging in. There's it's yeah. like, oh, guys, it's like it's like we're, we're losing all the young people. We have like 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 20 percent of uh, Latino people. We need like yeah. it's like they just want they need to want to boost their numbers up. Based on all the departures, I think it's fair to say that something is afoot in TPUSA. I'm praying this is the first domino in their plan to establish an isolated and independent caliphate in the gorgeous state of Florida. In conclusion, septuagenarian melting reptiles worth billions of dollars have recently loosened their purses and let some of their money leak onto a beautiful boy named Charlie. A shower of gold on the lad's face, as it were. Much like a gremlin, the village idiot then gave birth to an entire army of right-wing mutants. This in turn reinforced the country's general rightward trend and even helped reawaken its neo-Nazi movement. Yes, we can laugh at Charlie Kirk, and we should but he's just a little cardboard boy being dangled uncomfortably close to our faces. The roots of this evil, people like the Koch brothers, the Mercers, weeping jewelers from Barrington, Illinois, are working hard to stack the financial deck. They're doing it by founding or reinforcing media outlets, educational institutions, and political organizations. They're doing it by injecting capital into super PACs. And in general, what we're seeing here is a structured attempt to red pill America for financial gain with a worrying new focus on the youth. That's the real, quote, cabal. Greedy, reactionary rich people banding together for their common good, stacking the courts, multiplying the astroturf organizations, and pouring dark money into all the gaping sores that won't stop appearing on that pesky body politic. All I can say in earnest is that it's quite a time to live in, quote, the greatest country ever to exist. Charlie Kirk. You know, it's so funny. Jer Jared brought up a really good point earlier about how these guys view themselves as like the punk rock, but they don't have any of the punk rock characteristics like fuck the police and fuck, no. you know, the government and anti, you know, all, all of these like law enforcement agencies. They're more like I, I was saying to Travis earlier, Charlie Kirk is like a villain in like a college movie you know he's like he's like the president of like the shitty jock fraternity that's like always at odds like with the yeah. you know like the stoner heroes and his dad like literally owns and runs the school and then gets one of the good guys yes. kicked out yeah exactly yeah totally I think it comes back to this. I, I don't know. Have you guys seen Petroleum? That's pretty fucking sludge to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes back to this thing where, uh, where like people, people like Charlie Kirk is like, oh sure, you like like uh, Republicans own like the federal government and most states and sort of the the business world, the uh, but 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 liberals won the culture war and that's what matters to people yeah. that's why they feel like punk rock is be like all it's like all of these sort of like the 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 art and the pop culture is is not as conservative as they wish it was so by being a young conservative that mm -hmm. makes them feel rebellious they're basically rebelling against what young people actually like and think yeah <laughs> like they're just like we're so punk rock we like to kick down and promote incredibly wealthy people. If I were Charlie, by the way, and had any uh, anything like a strategic mind, 
I would look at that, uh, you know, origins of TPUSA thing and just fucking rewrite it. Like you have a 10,000 donation in there from a billionaire. You have two aging reptiles fucking basking in the, you know, the sunlight of their desk lamp. Yeah. Fuck, (laughs) man. Like there's literally stuffed fucking, you know, savanna animals in your fucking video. Like what, what are you doing? You're, you're seriously like they, they could not be. You can't satirize these guys. They're already the satire of themselves. That's what's so problematic here is they've already made fun of themselves into oblivion by just being themselves. Like the only thing they could possibly do is literally dress like adult babies in public. Like that is the (laughs) only way to humiliate themselves further than just their normal existence. The reason that TPUSA has received so much money and so much uh, sort of play on Fox News and other conservative outlets uh, is this idea, I think, Travis, you mentioned it earlier, which is that the broader conservative establishment was fighting these culture wars in the early aughts. You know, they were going against gay marriage. They were uh, going against abortion. And, you know, throughout the decades, they've just been dealt loss after loss. And the public opinion has shifted uh, quite far away from this idea and vision of America that would make them the richest. Uh, so there is a lot of vested interest in trying to spill money into any organization uh, like TPUSA that claims to be on the front of the culture war uh, with youth outreach. So I, I think there, there's also sort of this like weird, like dark swirl beneath it. Yeah. Um, but also the diaper thing is hilarious. I do not believe that an 18-year-old Charlie was going around soliciting funds for something that he had actually thought of. I think that the kind of thinkers that are in these think tanks were like, what we need is a student organization. You know, and then they found Charlie wandering around like a fucking, you know, like, like a fresh faced boy, and they were like, Hey buddy, would you be interested in this venture? I- you don't think so? You think Charlie? I, th- I think I think Charlie. I think Charlie. At least at least in the early days, he was he was sincere. I think there was it was just sort of a meeting of interests, right? I don't think I think that. But I don't think Charlie brought up the idea. I just don't. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think he's like, he's such an idiot in every other choice he's ever he was, made. He was he volunteered for a Republican Senate um, uh, campaign as a, like a high in while in high school. So yes, he was, he was politically active. And so he was visible to the GOP people, and they were like, "We can use this man." Like this, we're looking for an 18 year old. Which one is the biggest freak wandering around every fucking Republican event? Here's the thing. Well, it's like, when I, we'll see when I talk about Charlie Kirk, but Charlie Kirk is a hustler. Okay. okay? It's okay. like he he actively, he, he had a vision and then he knew the people who money could happen. Yeah. So I really, I think it was, a, I really think it was a mutual thing. I don't think it was like a, I think obviously, you know, a lot of like wealthy donors, they spawned him, they saw his potential, but, but Charlie Kirk, he, he wanted what he has now. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Travis is pro Charlie Kirk. And <laughs> no, hold also, on, hold also, on. no, no, no. You said it. You said it. Uh, well, we have we have differing opinions. Right, you know, I think right. that you know. Well, you heard what I think about Charlie. Um, in fact, before we move into your segment, I'm gonna make a statement here. Je suis Charlie. Charlie Kirk with Travis View. The now 25-year-old Charlie Kirk has never endorsed QAnon, but I think uh, Charlie Kirk is relevant when talking about QAnon because Kirk has repeatedly promoted beliefs that originate within the QAnon community. Uh, Just to give you a few examples, on July 7th, 2018, Kirk published a tweet that contained startling but inaccurately sourced statistics about the alleged growth of human trafficking arrests under the Trump administration stated that there are 1,952 human trafficking arrests through all of 2016, but in the first half of 2018, authorities had already made an astounding 
5,987 human trafficking arrests. Kirk's tweet falsely claimed that these figures came from the Justice Department. Kirk deleted the tweet shortly after the true source of his figures were revealed, a spreadsheet that originated on the HNQ Research Board. And just a side note, I was the one who discovered the source of the statistics, and the incident made me first realize that QAnon would not be contained with an HN. Are you, are you just feeling insecure because we have a journalist with us? Is that why you, have, you feel the, the need? I was like, I want to prove myself. Just, we're peers. You know, not, not like these clowns. You, you, we're, we're some paradigms. Yeah. Everybody, please go to Travis's new website, Red State Watch. It's amazing. It's a one-man website funded by George Soros. I'd also like to announce my new project, uh, redstatewatchwatch.org. <laughs> what happened was that uh, uh, eight Chananons compiled these bogus statistics, and then for 12 Anon, visualized the bogus statistics using the data visualization program Tableau, and then a Reddit user named Tommy Robinson's ghost turned 412 Anon's data visualization to a meme about human trafficking arrests, and then Charlie Kirk tweeted out the bogus human trafficking arrest stats from that Reddit meme. So uh, from meme to table, yeah, from uh, the only the, the most yes. organic way uh, to eat yeah. in California, the H and the Charlie Kirk pipeline. So uh, this wasn't an isolated incident. On September 10th, 2018, Charlie Kirk implied that Democrats had some sort of hidden nefarious motive for opposing uh, the federal law enforcement agency ICE. Uh, this directly parallels QAnon claims that some Democrats want to abolish ICE because they are directly involved in human trafficking. On December 2nd, 2018, Charlie Kirk tweeted in reference to the uh, Gilets Jaunes movement in France that we want Trump was being chanted in the streets of Paris. So this is a false claim that originated with a QAnon Twitter account named Frozen Fran. So Charlie Kirk is not a QAnon follower, but he has repeatedly laundered QAnon conspiracy theories for a more popular audience. So I want to tell you about Kirk's early life and explain my personal theory about what motivates him now. Fascinating. So Charlie Kirk was born in 1993. Unbelievable. Jesus fucking Christ. He's 10 <laughs> years younger than me. And grew up in Wheeling, Illinois. His father is an architect and his mother is a psychiatrist. By all accounts, Charlie... <laughs> She's a failed psychiatrist. <laughs> like, look what your son has done. By all accounts, Charlie was a highly active and ambitious young man. Kirk, with his six foot four inch frame, was a multi-sport athlete and captain of the varsity basketball team at Wheeling High School. He was an Ingle Scout, which is a rank earned by only 4% of all Boy Scouts. As a high school junior in 2010, Charlie Kirk volunteered for the Republican U.S. Senator Mark Kirk's campaign. There is no relation. They're all part of the Kirkland brand. People first recognized Kirk's talent for politics when he was a high school senior. In April 2012, Kirk was spotted by Bill Montgomery, then a Tea Party-backed legislative primary candidate, at an event at Benedictine University, where area high school students debated the Occupy Wall Street movement. According to Montgomery, the audience for the debate was restless and bored until Charlie got up to speak. Kirk's passion captivated the audience. Montgomery says that he told Kirk, You've got to get into politics. But for Kirk, politics was plan B. He said that his number one dream in life was to attend West Point. It even secured the congressional nomination necessary to attend that military college. But Kirk said that the slot he considered his went to, quote, a far less qualified candidate oh of a God. different gender and a different persuasion, end quote, whose test scores he claimed he knew. This fucking guy would blame, like, not coming up the ranks of the Hitler youth on, like, people being too lefty. <laughs> like, what a fucking... 
And this is this is a pattern too. Their their utter failure, and then the pivoting into something that is less than what would they would like to do, which is to literally direct people to their death. Yeah, no, that's that's like seventy five percent of these right wing like pundits and personalities. If you like go back to their origin story, they feel like they were slighted at some point, or uh, you know, I'll mention in my segment, you know, they get told that they're stupid by like too many libs. And they just flip. You later claimed that he was being sarcastic when he made that comment and that being rejected from West Point was one of the best things that ever happened to him. Kirk was accepted to Baylor University in Waco, Texas. However, he would not attend. Rather than going to university, Kirk enrolled in general education classes at the community college Harper College in Palatine, Illinois, as he founded Turning Point USA. Now, you might ask, why did Kirk start up his own organization? instead of getting involved in one of the other conservative youth organizations, such as the Young Republicans or the Young America Foundation. Well, according to a 2013 interview with, uh, in the Billings Gazette, Kirk said that the Young Republicans were too bureaucratic and unwilling to try new approaches. He also wanted to match liberal campaigns to recruit young people, which he viewed as more effective than conservative campaigns. You know, he, he, to illustrate his points, Kirk told a couple of anecdotes, and feel free to be skeptical of the, about these anecdotes. Uh, so Kirk told one anecdote about a young woman who allegedly obtained tickets to a Katy Perry concert after agreeing to march in a gay pride parade. Uh, as part of the, attending the parade, she provided her information to an Obama campaign group. Wait, this, uh, I, explain this to me. I, I, I can't. I can't explain it to you. I don't know. They needed people so badly for the gay pride. Oh, yeah. Nobody loves to show up to that thing that just for thing. fun because it's great and has music exactly. and good food and, and fun people. This sort of like plays into the, this good sort weed. of like this culture war thing where it's like, oh, it's yeah. like, oh, they're seducing the young people with pop culture, Katy Perry and homosexuality. And they're he just funneling them. The, yeah. It's costing these people Katy Perry tickets to get people to show up. It doesn't cost to get a student to show up to something. Yeah. You could pay them in ramen noodles. Yeah. It okay. Make this is, doesn't make any sense. So uh, Kirk also told another anecdote about a Colombian classmate of his. The classmate allegedly expressed support for less intrusive governments and free markets. However, when the classmate returned from summer break, he was wearing a T-shirt bearing the logo of the liberal organization MoveOn.org. <laughs> the, class, the classmate and his family uh, apparently became naturalized U.S. citizens over the summer, and MoveOn.org had a booth right outside the venue where the citizenship ceremony was held. The MoveOn.org representative spoke to the family in Spanish, invited them to community events, and the classmate became an organizer for the group. So he claims... Um, Kirk lamented that uh, that kind of youth recruitment didn't exist to the same degree on the right. Here's what he said. Now, why didn't any of these organizations on the right have a booth at that swearing-in ceremony? There was nothing from our side of the aisle. Those were two young people who were potential young Republicans who were both scooped up by the machine that the left built. But but this is so funny because the reason that they're attracted to the left is because the left has a system built to help them. Whereas Turning Point USA has a system to convince you to be a conservative. There's no actual help in your life as an immigrant. They're, they don't care about that. It's just optics. Sorry. All right. I'm fucking... <laughs> Pissed again. <laughs> so, like Julian explained, the first investor in Turning Point USA was Republican mega donor Foster Freeze. Kirk went to the 2012 Republican National Convention in Tampa when he was 18, fresh out of high school. 
According to a May 7th, 2015 article in Bloomberg, Kirk has spent weeks prior uh, to attending the convention memorizing the names and faces of the top 25 Republican political donors in case he found himself face to face with someone who could support his cause. Which is, by the way, like the yeah. shittiest game of guess who you could ever fucking <laughs> play. <laughs> he, he's like, fuck, okay, no neck, white. <laughs> Kirk spotted Freeze just as he was about to leave the convention and delivered his elevator pitch for Turning Point USA. Freeze handed over his business card and Kirk received his first investment, $10,000 from Freeze a few weeks later. Freeze later said that Kirk made quite an impression on him. Here's what Freeze said. He impressed me with his capacity to lead, intelligence, and love for America. I instantly knew I wanted to support him. So you can say a lot of things about Charlie Kirk, but the man knows how to hustle. Damn, I was wrong, man. I'm sorry. In 2012 and 2013, Kirk used his Twitter account to invite young conservatives to write for the fledgling Turning Point USA, tagging anyone who thought would be willing to create content for the young site. He also had a pitch for Turning Point USA that he has honed after delivering it thousands of times. Kirk's pitch to potential donors starts with his personal story about how a kid just out of high school with no political experience decided to build a national nonprofit, how he's building a registry of young conservative students, and it ends by calling them to action in support of limited government and limiting liberalism in academia. That's the best part. At the end of all of this, all they want is deregulation and less taxes. It's just what the old white guys want. Like, you're not organizing anything that's youthful. It's just fucking pathetic and sad. There already is no social safety net in this country. What are you even fighting for? You're just fighting so it never gets rebuilt? Like, good fucking job. The pendulum of history will never go by because fucking Charlie's big, stupid blockhead is blocking it. Yeah, but here, here, here's the thing. Those old guys, their diapers, they're... They're way too big for young people. They're, they're, they're too large. They don't fit. So here comes Charlie. That event actually wasn't for other students. It was to attract the attention of these old men who can totally relate to having to wear a diaper all day. Oh, or, or who, I or see who they are make just a like, slim fit. <laughs> or who are just like, you know, maybe close to death and like w want to experience like the joy of like feeling like the conservative uh, agenda is being passed down, you know, to a younger generation. That's exactly like, it. Yeah. It's, it's like all, it's like all a fucking like, like a death play that like you put on for like a king who's like, I, oh, I wanted to see the battle of Yogbrook. In an interview with political reporter Joseph Guinto, uh, Charlie Kirk said he solicits donations from boomers who have been made paranoid by Fox News. Here's what Kirk said. You can't watch Fox News without seeing five or six segments a day about the nuttiness on college campuses. You pair that nuttiness up with people in their 60s and 70s who are beginning to map out where they want a significant portion of their wealth to go, and they're saying, I don't want my money to go to university. It's not representing my values. Then we come along. How inspiring. I mean, what, what an inspiring speech to tell other young people, like, yes, we are going to be carrying out the wishes of money. Money. That's who we represent. That's our constituency. The early Turning Point USA website featured a continually running student debt clock. <laughs> However, this was not a clock <laughs> about <laughs> mounting loans that students had acquired to pay for education. <laughs> Rather, it was a clock that represented each student's share of the national debt. Though the ballooning national debt was a big concern in the site's early days, when I searched out the phrase national debt on the current iteration of the TPUSA site, it provided zero search results. It's almost like young people couldn't give three fucking shits about the national debt, which is a made-up debt. We should just take all the richest people's money and 
and clog that hole with it. Charlie Kirk may have started Turning Point USA of a sincere desire to spread what he considers free market principles. But in recent years, I would argue Kirk has not expressed any coherent ideology outside of owning the libs. For example, Charlie Kirk is all over the map on the subject of criminal justice reform. On June 2nd, 2018, Kirk tweeted this. On his last day in office, Obama pardoned the sentences of 330 federal inmates convicted of drug crimes, releasing them back on the streets. Four days later, Kirk tweeted this. Trump courageously signs a pardon for Alice Johnson, an elderly woman oversentenced for a nonviolent drug charge and her first offense. Obama refused to do this, and Trump has stepped up to the plate to right a wrong. Jesus Kirk also supports lower taxes and has claimed that uh, taxation is theft. However, on, fe- <laughs> on February 17th, 2019, Kirk tweeted this. Amazon paid zero in federal taxes despite posting $11 billion in earnings. This is cronyism. Kirk is also divided on the issue on whether celebrities should be politically involved. He once admonished uh, Taylor Swift for getting political, but celebrated Kanye West's praise of Candace Owens and Donald Trump. Of course, there also seems to be a contradiction between Charlie Kirk's supposed love of free markets and love of Donald Trump. Uh, Trump has used the bully pulpit to attack several American businesses, including Nordstrom, Harley-Davidson, and Delta. Of course, President Trump is also a trade protectionist who has literally tweeted, Trade wars are good and easy to win. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's such a stupid statement. Trump's escalating trade war with China has put a strain on the American agriculture industry. In 2018, the USDA pledged up to $12 billion in relief for farmers to help offset their crop losses. It was recently announced that a second round of relief for farmers is coming, and it will total between $15 billion and $20 billion. Holy shit. So to my ears, to Mm, my ears, using executive power to distort international markets to the benefits of no one except possibly other countries who export crops to China, then using tax dollars to directly pay Americans whose small businesses were harmed by those market distortions doesn't sound like a very free market kind of move. Despite that, uh, Charlie Kirk has not offered one word of criticism about Trump for his trade policies or anything else, frankly. In fact, uh, just this past week, Kirk tweeted this. Retweet if you are happy that a president is finally standing up to China and getting tough on our greatest enemy that both parties have ignored for years. Which uh, brings me to sort of my, my grand theory of Charlie Kirk, which is that in the early days of Turning Point USA, maybe at the very beginning, he was a true believer. It was really motivated by spreading principles he personally considered were important. But somewhere along the way, probably early on as Turning Point USA became quickly successful, he saw his organization as a business he wanted to grow instead of a nonprofit dedicated to advocating a message. So he will never say anything that promotes free market principles that also hurts his business. I think the Turning Point USA is just a business theory explains why Charlie Kirk doesn't advocate for a coherent ideology, why he launders viral QAnon conspiracy theories in order to improve his social media reach, why he refers to people who give money to Turning Point USA as investors rather than donors, and why Kirk believes that his billionaire backers don't have a negative effect on his organization's supposed mission. Here's what Kirk told Politico. The organization is not the brainchild of the billionaire elite who met in some smoke-filled room one day and said, this is what we're going to do. It started with me hustling. 
I was the one seeking out the billionaires to fund a student movement, not the other way around. We are the ones going to investors telling them our vision. It is our enterprise. But his enterprise is just to become one of those people he's soliciting money from. Yeah. And Charlie came from an immense amount of wealth. It wasn't like he was no. out there fucking hustling to pay rent. No. He was living in his fucking parents' mansion and going to fucking Republican events like a yep. good boy. As far as I'm aware, Charlie Kirk actually still lives with his parents. He was, he was in the, when I read the, uh, the political profile in 2018, he was still living with his parents, though he spends most of his time on the road. Well, it's hard to leave that quality cooking. <laughs> and she, she, you know, this, the, 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 the maid, uh, she washes your clothes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, like, I, I think that the Turning Point USA is just, just a venture for, growing the personal brand of Charlie Kirk and that sort of the, the beginning and the end of it. And like all the stuff about like what, like the, the message or stuff is just what resonates with his donors. So that's what he says. Well, that was his original purpose, but it's kind of intermingling now with people like identity Europa yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so it yeah. has become, it's become uglier. It's become a vacuum uh, ideologically. And yeah, yeah. what comes in to fill that vacuum? White nationalism yep. and the most psychotic, like kind of anti-feminists and, and this kind of misogynistic, racist vision of the world um, and, and the idea that white civilization is falling like that. The problem with conservatism is that it has no uh, moral ideology or backbone. And so as soon as you start to try to affect the world, inevitably you reveal what you really want, which is deregulate the market, pay less taxes and get rich as shit. I don't think he has any other purpose, but he will. That organization, mark my words, is going to lead to very bad things as it becomes like basically fascist student organizations across the country. Yeah, but they think they label it as that is, is that the opposite, that they do have a moral backbone and that it's based strongly in, you know, Judeo-Christian values and that all of, you know, all of their stuff is 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 directly from the Bible. And and even if you don't believe in God, if, you you know, the Bible teaches you about moral code and sure, all this they shit. can say so that, like, but then the Instagram, like the Insta post, the Snapchat stuff that's coming out, the, the group messages that are leaked, yeah. they're literally like, like, it would be like, it's like a guy, it's like one of, like those Jewish caricatures and like guys in, in kefias, like raping white women with like a groiper being like, mm, how do you like immigration now? Like it's, it's, that's yeah. what's really being passed behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So I've seen it. I've seen it on the Donald. I've seen it on, <laughs> uh, I've seen it on uh vote. I mean, when I find you in those discord leaks of like some far right group <laughs> and you're just in there like, just I don't know guys, just here for the memes. Just Whoa. like sharing like ghostbuster memes and shit. <laughs> guys, why you gotta be so hardcore all the time? I just want to talk about Egon. Candace Owens with Jared Holt. Hey, this is Jared Holt from Shitpost, a podcast of the intersection of the internet and politics. I'm reporting out of D.C. on one of Turning Point USA's more uh, controversial figures. I'm, of course, talking about Miss Candace Owens, who until recently served as Turning Point USA's communications director before leaving to build out her own activism efforts and her podcast with conservative columnist Dennis Prager's digital-first outlet, PragerU. Candace Owens got her start in conservative media after she uploaded a video on YouTube revealing herself to be a conservative. The video titled, Mom, Dad, I'm a Conservative, <laughs> went viral once it was online and led to her initial breakthrough into the right-wing press. 
She's been celebrated by everyone from Dave Rubin to Alex Jones to President Donald Trump himself. But first, let's run back the clock and examine a bit of how Candace Owens became a figure of national renown. Candace Owens grew up in Connecticut, where she lived a mostly quiet life until she was the victim of a hate crime. In 2007, Owens was the victim of an alleged racial hate crime that involved the son of Connecticut's former Democratic governor, Daniel P. Malloy. A group of young men called Owens and threatened her incessantly on the basis of her race. The NAACP held a press conference with Owens, and the FBI investigated the incident. A 17-year-old boy was arrested. Owens' family sued the Stanford Board of Education for failing to protect her and won a $37,500 settlement. She would later cite the incident as one of the contributions to her red-pilling. She got red-pilled by being having a racist attack carried out against her? I mean, what the fuck kind of brain does that? Building off her high school experience, Owens grew active in the anti-bullying sphere of the internet during the era of Gamergate around 2015. From there, she planned to launch a website she called Social Autopsy. The startup first drew major attention in 2016 when Owens began a crowdfunding project for the site on Kickstarter. Her goal was to raise $75,000. Social Autopsy was going to be a website where users could submit information about people who posted hateful messages online, and from there they'd be cataloged in a digital database. The intentions of Social Autopsy, I think, were noble to discourage cyberbullying and hold people accountable. However, people accused Owens of wanting to create a quote-unquote doxing website. And I, I put that in quotes because I feel like there's not one established definition of doxing online, but that's an aside. One of the theories that Owens was working off of was that women who said they were being harassed during Gamergate were actually making their stories up. <laughs> All the while, she was skipping rent and taking her landlords to housing court, which is maybe the only cool thing about Candace Owens. Fuck yeah, renters' rights. These two incidents compounded are what she primarily cited as the inspiration for her turn to conservatism. But given the rest of her career since then, you'll soon understand why that makes the whole situation a bit ironic and bizarre. In July 2017, Owens began her right-wing career path using the moniker Red Pill Black. That first video, Mom, Dad, I'm a Conservative, was met with instant viral success that launched her into the spotlight of the right-wing internet. In other videos, she criticized Black Lives Matter, feminism, you know, your typical online conservative fanfare. But it wasn't until she posted her video titled I don't care about Charlottesville, the KKK, or white supremacy, that she really exploded online. And her timing couldn't have been more impeccable. At the time of that video launch, America was still reeling from the horrors witnessed that August of the Unite the Right white supremacist gathering in Charlottesville, Virginia, where a neo-Nazi participant had piloted his car into a crowd of leftist counter-protesters, injuring many and murdering Heather Hare. Owen's message that black people had nothing to fear after white supremacists marched in Charlottesville that day because racism was a plot cooked up by the Democrats to scare black people into voting for them. At the time, the MAGA universe was desperate for some kind of explanation, any kind of explanation, to create enough cognitive dissonance between the Trump campaign that they had supported and the bloodshed in an otherwise quiet college town in Virginia. 
If I remember correctly, this desire was also cited by some of the folks who claimed they started QAnon. Candace Owens alleged that the rise of fascism and white supremacy under Trump was a creation of the media, as you'll hear in this next clip from her video after Charlottesville. In 2018, every extremist killing in the U.S. was carried out on behalf of right-wing causes, so this, of course, aged about as well as a bowl of milk in the microwave. Damn, who, who, put, who does that? That's something that sounds like something Jake would do to food. So? So would what? You, would you just put like a bowl of milk in the microwave for two days with no... You don't even turn it on? No, I don't think so. Then you take it out, you slurp it down like a piglet? No, I don't like milk. Okay. I'm just, asking, I'm just asking questions. You know, I'm just doing journalism. Obviously, the media's fault. I mean, the media is creating this entire narrative, and it is crazy, absolutely crazy to me that people have not figured this out yet. I mean, why do you think we didn't hear a single thing about David Duke, white supremacy, and the KKK the entire time Obama was in office? Do you think that they were all hiding underground, waiting for the next white president, meeting by the light of the moon? Do you really actually believe that they weren't still meeting, holding protests, having rallies and marches? Maybe the media wasn't covering it. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. So her whole thing is that, like, Look, guys, like, neo-Nazis have been marching, like, forever. Like, it's it's only now that the the, the media is covering. Like, I don't understand yeah. what her what her point White is. White supremacy existed before Trump, so we should ignore it now under Trump, which is not what we've done until now. We've tried to actively fight it and suppress it because it's a terrible thing. But don't keep doing that because Trump uh, just... Why, fucking why, mush. These people's brains are fucking mush. And why is it a bad thing that media is reporting on like neo-Nazi gatherings? Like, wouldn't you? Couldn't everybody who has any kind of respect for humanity go like, "Oh, it's good that you know the news is reporting that these guys are trying to mobilize and like do some, keep, you know, keep an do eye some on these shit. guys." You know, you want to be like, "All oh, it's like, would she prefer them to be like, oh, just just ignore them?" Don't, it's like, is that? It doesn't sound preferable. Yeah, she's basically saying you weren't trying to uh, implicate Obama into white supremacy, so why are you doing it with Trump? It's literally that. Like you've never tried to tie, you know, t uh, you've never tried to tie presidents to this stuff before. It's like Candace, the the civil rights movement was in the mid '60s, right? Like well, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, it's that primary assertion in the video that rising white supremacy in America was a myth perpetuated by the media and Democrats uh, that caught the attention of a then superpower of the digital world and wearer of the tinfoil crown, Alex Jones. Yes. Thanks for coming into town. I'm so happy to be here. Great to have you. Uh, you're even more impressive in person. It's, it's uh, wonderful to have you. <laughs> Even more <laughs> impressive in person. What does that mean? Uh, well, well, fantastic specimen. <laughs> I cannot believe that my loins are currently awakening for a black woman. <laughs> yeah, no. So, um, so Candace Owens had caught the attention of Infowars, and as you heard in that last clip uh, in 2018, she went as far as to appear in studio in Austin, Texas, with Alex for a co-hosting feature alongside Paul Joseph Watson. There, she nodded along for about an hour's worth of programming to Alex Jones' conspiracy theories about the Podestas, and by the end of the clip, uh, she had agreed to get dinner with Alex Jones and his wife later that evening. I I've been doing a lot of ranting here. we got a short segment coming up for you to finish up. We're going to be back on with Owen today, and I'd like to take you out to dinner tonight, uh, get my wife uh, involved, see if we can get a baby shitter. Texas uh, eating. 
because I'd like to take you out and, and, and also maybe, you know, uh, go out on the street, shoot a live video or something. Let's do it. Let's and, do it. and experience the nice folks, but also the mean ones. Let's absolutely do it. I think that's something that people need to see, and I'm happy to throw it up on, you know, my YouTube page, my Twitter page. I'm getting a lot of black people that are craving this. I don't know if they watch your show, but more and more of them are, and it's important that they do. They're craving Alex Jones. Black people are like, I wish that this fucking tomato rolling around the streets, <laughs> you know, made a video for me or whatever. It's beautiful to see two people meet and decide to create content together. <laughs> I love, he pulled that incredibly awkward move when you're married and you're at a party and you're clearly attracted to the person, which is not illegal. But then you're like, ask them on a date, instantly realize that's stupid, bring your wife into it, make it into another creative project. Appropriate social work gathering, you and me. Just fucking a swiveling tomato of, of shitty, shitty impulses. After a journey through the right-wing media ringer with her message that black Americans have been taken advantage of by Democrats, she eventually landed roles at Turning Point USA first as uh, urban director and then communications director and became a semi-regular guest on Fox News. Last year, Owens was given a major thrust into the public consciousness when rapper Kanye West tweeted, I love the way Candace Owens thinks. Owens and Kirk met with Kanye, as one does, and catapulted into the forefront of right-wing political activism. The conservative movement has struggled for pop culture and youth wins. Young people are generally more progressive now than they were, they lost the same-sex marriage fight, and people are generally more lax about societal differences. For the broader right-wing movement, TPUSA became a very big deal in a very big way and was swamped with donor cash. Imagine being a guy like Kanye West who has created, I mean, yes, he's problematic or whatever, but he has created a lot of really cool music. He gets to hang out with pretty much anyone in the world that is cool. He's meeting with fucking Charlie Kirk. How do you not look at that guy and go, wait, I've taken a wrong turn at some point back there? Yeah, but the, the Yeezy season four diaper drop is going to be fucking <laughs> sick, dude. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's just like a shitty cloth diaper with frayed edges. And it's like, that's yeah, right. Yeah, a couple like shit stains on it that are like pre-stained. <laughs> oh, Yeezy has gone full derelict. Yeah, like, he's, yeah he's full derelict. He's fucking gone. Yeah. Representing TPUSA, Owens has appeared numerous times on Fox News, traveled the country to speak, and was even, even given a slot at last year's Conservative Political Action Conference, a.k.a. CPAC, which, and it's treated like the conservative mecca. Most recently, she launched a campaign called Blexit, which encourages black Americans to step away from the Democratic Party and join the Republican ranks. But her time at TPUSA has not been without controversy. In a recent clip heard round the globe, Owens appeared to mount a defense of Adolf Hitler. When you think about whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, in, at least in America, is Hitler. You know, he was a national socialist, but if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. The problem is, is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize. He wanted everybody to be German, everybody to be speaking German, everybody to look a different way. That's not, to me, that's not nationalism. Um, so in thinking about how we could go bad down the line, I don't really... I don't really have an issue with nationalism. I really don't. I think that it's okay. It's important to retain your, your country's identity and to make sure um, that what's happening here, which I think is incredibly worrisome in terms of the, just the, the decrease in the birth rate that we're seeing um, in the UK, is what you kind of want to avoid. So I'm not, I don't have anything problem. I have no problems with nationalism. It's globalism that I try to avoid. Wait, wait, Th This wait. is what happens when you give a, a, a fucking pulpit to someone who is just, their background is just someone who talks on YouTube. 
Yeah. And, and you expect him to understand history. Well, and also the way she kind of glosses over, she's like, yeah, no, Hitler just wanted to, you know, he wanted everybody to be German. He wanted yeah, people to look differently. Yeah. Uh, he wanted them to talk the same. The problem uh, with Germany is that he went a hair over the line. The funniest part is that Hitler taking care of his country and building infrastructure and taking care of the people, that's the socialist part of Nazi. <laughs> the na is the bad part, you fucking idiots! <laughs> Owens has also faced critics from her own party line. Media Matters reported last year on Owens' inflammatory remarks trivializing the then-prominent Me Too movement. Media Matters reports that Owens, quote, accused the movement of turning sexual assault into a trend, contended that its premises are that women are stupid, weak, and inconsequential, and claimed the movement is at fault for men who don't hire women. Owens' attacks on Me Too were so tone-deaf and clueless that even conservative women condemned them. Despite the contention, Owens charged on as a media spokesperson and representative of TPUSA, until recently, that is. Last month, Owens left Turning Point USA, and according to my sources, her contract ended and TPUSA was due to restructure itself in a way that didn't provide clear-cut salaries to much of its staff. But regardless, Owens had grown to outshine TPUSA in many ways. I am both excited and sad to announce that I will be officially moving on from my role as communications director for Turning Point USA, Owens wrote in an Instagram post announcing her departure. My dream has always been simple, to wake up black America, to turn the lights on within a community that has been used and abused by the Democrat Party for decades. She continued. With the hashtag Blexit movement, the Candace Owens podcast, and my upcoming book, I no longer feel I can be a dedicated communications director to an organization that is rightfully growing rapidly. You know what? Fuck the name of our podcast. It's going to be the Julian Field podcast, and you can all attend it because I'm allowing it. And I'll be saying stuff like Charlie Kirk, you know, yourself, and you guys will have to fall in line because I am the name on the podcast. This will not end with me being Candace Owen on the left. Yeah, this is, is what, what Julian would call Chexit, uh, exit from Charlie Kirk. Yeah, I would never pull out of Charlie Kirk. <laughs> in recent months, Owens has started a podcast with Prakers Digital Outlet called The Julian Field Show. Oh, wait, <laughs> the Candace... The Candace Owens Show. However, she says she will still be speaking at TPUSA conferences and will continue to chair TPUSA's annual Black Leadership Summit. What the future holds next for Candace Owens is anyone's guess. But at this point in her trajectory, she is surrounded with donor funds and more than enough resources at her disposal to have major impacts on the broader conservative movement for many years. But one thing is for sure. Owens may have dropped the name Red Pill Black, but her legacy of fringe conspiracy adjacency will live on. Don't let Democrats tell you what to believe. Let Republicans tell you what to believe because it's better for you. Well, it's that's always it, right? They're like, we want free speech. Free speech just means no one gets to make fun of us when we say our dumb shit. And also, you don't get to speak anymore. <laughs> that's their version of free speech. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's the same thing as uh, Charlie Kirk. You know, Candace Owens embarked on this mission to you know try to stop cyberbullying after being the victim of uh, some harassment herself you know she thinks maybe she had some uh, pure intentions she wanted to do a good thing and she was attacked and made fun of and told she was dumb and to shut the fuck up and you know from there isolated 
uh, the Republicans are like the only people in the political space that are like, oh, you're, you're dumb and you have shitty ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on over. And, you know, from there, it becomes like, you know, they claim not to be supportive of tribal politics, but that's exactly what it is. It's like these people are nice to me, which is why I support this idea. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, the money will continue to churn on. If she drops out, it'll find someone else. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I mean, these people get pushed to the forefront because they are essentially the foot soldiers in a much broader war in which these 70-year-olds don't want to leave the back of their desks. So they're like, yeah, of course, great. I'll send you money. Yeah, and My and money's getting bigger every day because the economy is more and more stacked in my favor. We are not at all the outgrowth of the Dixiecrats. We are actually... Lincoln's party, which is the Dinesh D'Souza move, really. Uh, George Rockwell Lincoln, is that who you're talking about? <laughs> the American Nazi party guy? Do you know how she ended up on that, uh, in that hearing? Like, why did she even end up on TV like that? Uh, usually people that speak at hearings are invited, so I, I can only assume that some member of that committee invited her. One of the congressmen? Oh, Matt boy. Gates. Possibly. Probably. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> or the pirate guy. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jared. That was, a, a first of all, a great segment. And uh, the first time we tried something like that, I think it went very well. Um, w- do you have anything to plug? Oh, yeah. Uh, check out our stories at rightwingwatch.org. I have a podcast. It's a shit post. It's allegedly good. Uh, so give that a shout. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jared L. Holt and unsubscribe from the QAnon Anonymous Patreon and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, you, you guys are kicking ass over here. It, it was a pleasure to be on and, you know, we'll talk soon. All right. Well, um, we hope you enjoyed the episode so far. We, we just wanted to take a little bit of a moment here because, you know, oftentimes our episodes are quite structured and we don't always get uh, a moment to thank everybody we know that we're a little bit late on um you know kind of reading out the names of patreon subscribers and stuff like that so sorry uh it's been hectic and uh as you could probably tell our episodes are, are are involving more and more planning and stuff like that which is great and we're very happy about it but i just wanted to thank everybody who listens we've had a lot of of growth which is more than exciting for us um and I guess we just haven't really acknowledged that yet. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been really really nuts. I, I mean, I was just talking about this. Like, I I loved um, uh, recording the recent uh, Dinesh D'Souza episode for Premium because I was able to uh, really dunk a Dinesh, which is something that I've been doing for years for free yeah. online. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so to take my uh, trolling bit that I've just been doing for years. Uh, for people, for an audience uh, that, that enjoys it, it's nuts. I mean, yeah, I was I was just telling my wife that uh, you know I I I I enjoy explaining to people why their uh, beliefs have no basis in fact, but usually people find it irritating. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but, we're terrible. We're all tell- terrible dinner guests, except right. maybe Jake, who, who tells just nice. Yeah, I'm like jokes. um, I'm like uh, like that, like just terrified of social interactions to the point of like physical anxiety attacks but then right at the moment where it needs to be important yeah. i'm somehow able to like pull it together for a, a brief uh 10 15 minutes nice. uh to make myself uh, seem welcoming and and social but it's true that uh, travis has found a kind of second calling here as just uh, a shredder of of figures and i think we'll definitely uh pick that back up after the dinesh episode and and give him some of that red meat uh because you know QAnon 
you know, people who are all in his mansions telling him to shut up and telling him to, you know, like, uh, yeah. why, why are you talking about it? Yeah. Oh, for a LARP? Why does it matter to you? Why is it? It's like, it's like yeah. all can't... I have to say, all I have to say to those motherfuckers is you thought you could bury Travis. Yeah, that's right. But you didn't know he was a seed. I know. The funny thing about the QAnon people is that they always, it's like they can spin any kind of narrative or conspiracy theory, but they can't spin for like why I care, why why I yeah. dunk on them. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's just baffling to them. It's just, it's just they just draw a blank. It's yeah. just they can't figure me out. It's, yeah. it's kind of great, actually. I love the argument you got into with someone the other day where you were like, why do you even, they were like, why do you even pay attention? And you're like, wait, so you don't want people to pay attention to QAnon? I thought you wanted people to join. That would be through paying attention, right? Yeah. And yeah, if the it, guy was, <laughs> yeah, like, if, if anything, if anything, you know, we we uh, present yeah. uh, QAnon, and, and if the QAnon findings are so infallible and and, and so you know uh, demonstrably true, uh, then then we are doing a service oh, because yeah. we are bringing in a whole new audience yeah. that will go and check out QAnon for for themselves, decide well, that we are wrong, and and are, become a exactly. part of the community. We are, we are possibly doing something that is uh, journalistically unethical by even like yeah. discussing yes. it. On yeah. link. We're yeah. right. We're on the razor's edge of what maybe is right. Yeah, to to be fair, we always record all the QAnon evidence, and then I edit out any part that proves what they have yeah, to say. So I am actively working against you, QAnon community. So maybe these two clowns don't know what's happening, but the final edited product, which they they don't know how to find podcasts. They're, yeah, I, they're I, both in their seventies. I think I uh, definitely have one foot over the fence of QAnon, <laughs> and, one, yeah. and one and one foot uh, firmly planted in reality. It's just that Jake, at at some point, as he was halfway over the fence looked down and there was like a walking dead style pit reaching up at him and he was like ah i'm just gonna stay on the fence up here yeah this is nice this is nice up <laughs> on here. the other side is just me and travis dressed in like full fucking like fishing gear and shit and uh with weapons and stuff and like like you know nfl helmets that like we found the, like the dude from uh tremors with the fucking pickup truck and the and the right all the rifles and shit uh, uh but seriously if, if, if yeah. i can be serious for a moment i mean the Please. outpouring of support and the fact that you guys actually take, you know, an hour, an hour and a half out of your day to listen to this. I mean, you know, I get hit up on Twitter and people are saying, you know, they'll say like, oh man, I really love this episode or this story was great or your, your, your imitation here kind of sucked. You should work on it. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's so amazing. Like yeah. we had no idea that anybody would care about, yeah. about this stuff. And people think you do a shit imitation of Jake. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, come on, get it right. You've been listening to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Our Twitters are at QAnon Anonymous, at Travis underscore view, at Julian Field, and at Real Rakotansky. Our guest segment this week was provided by at Jared L. Holtz, and you can check out his podcast at SHT Post Podcast, which is shit post podcast. We refuse to allow corporate advertisement on our show. That's why we gate our second weekly episode behind a $5 a month subscription. So visit patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for $5 a month to get access to a weekly premium episode, plus all the ones we've already recorded. The faster we grow, the closer we get to making more varied content. Thank you. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. From all of us here at the QAnon Anonymous podcast, thank you for listening. And now, today's auto cue. And people actually bail at the end and go, who is this guy? He's got like every meme ever produced on the internet. He can knock us out with his memes. And I do, I have tons of memes. I'll just keep memeing them to death until they just surrender. 
because they just can't do it anymore. They don't have the memes that I have. I can have a meme war with anybody and destroy it. I can have a meme war with anybody and destroy them.